0: Lord, we love you so much in your first name. Amen. Alright, when well, we come to a very, very interesting uh, story. Tonight's sermon is going to be kind of short, like you already know. Uh, i got to go to work tonight. but um, This is a really interesting story. It's one of my favorite miracles in the Bible. If you look at John chapter number 5, it's a, a pretty interesting story. The Bible says, I'll just read for you the first few verses again. It says, And this there was at the feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethsaida, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind hole withered, waiting for them moving the moving water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool, and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Now let me just show you something real quick. When you're studying the Bible, um, you know, I've heard people say this, that, um, that they don't know that an angel actually came down, that it actually troubled the water, that people actually got uh, healed because of it. But when you're studying the Bible, um, you can see no one says that they said that this is what happened. The Bible says this is what happened. The, the, the narrator, in this case is John, but we know that's the Holy Spirit. The narrator of the Bible, it's not like somebody saying, oh, when you go down into the water in the text, you understand what I'm saying? This is God telling us that this is what happened. And when you say the Bible, you always want to just take what the Bible says. You know, sometimes a person will say something in the Bible, and what they're saying, it may not be true. Now, the Bible is always true because that's what that, actually, what that person actually said. But they may not be true. For example, when uh, people in the, in the Bible would say that Joseph was um, the father of Jesus. well, those, Or Mary one time said that, jo, you know, called Joseph the father of Jesus. Well, she actually said that, but she, what she actually said was wrong. Do you understand? But it, when the Bible says something... Then we know that's what happened. So the Bible is telling us that at this pool of Bethsaida there was five porches and there was a whole multitude of impotent folk there. There was a whole multitude of people who were sick, who were blind, who were withered and they would wait because at a certain time an angel would come down and he would trouble the water. So there was this Imagine just this pool with a bunch of people hanging out who were sick and and every once in a while an angel would come down and he'd trouble the water. He'd kind of splash the water and the very first person who would go out and step into that water would be healed. That's what the Bible says. That was a, a modern day uh, miracle there. And that that's kind of the... That's, that's the basis of the story. That's what's going on. And Jesus, we're going to see him interact with a man who's, been, who's waiting uh, to be healed. There. Now, let me just show you something else real quick. And I want, I'm not going to take a lot of time to uh, go into it, but just for your own own information. John chapter number 5 and verse 4. Uh, I just want you to know this. That entire verse is made missing out of uh, modern Bible versions like the NIV. Now, if you look at it, that's a pretty long verse. It says, for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. That's just amazing to me that they would remove so much information. I mean, that's pretty much the basis of the entire story that's going on, but that's a pretty large verse that they, that they moved there. Anyway, I just wanted to give you that, that information. But what we're, what we're seeing here is that they're around this water, they're waiting for the angel to trouble it so that man can come down and get healed. Now look at verse number 5 and look at Jesus starts interacting with a certain individual. Look at verse 5. John chapter number 5 and look at verse 5. The Bible says, And a certain man was there, and look what it says, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. So he'd been sick for thirty-eight years. Look at verse 6. When Jesus saw him lie, and knew that he had been there now a long time in that case, he saith unto him. Now the question that Jesus asks him is, look at what it says, it says he asked, Jesus asked this man a question. He said, Wilt thou be made whole? Now, that, that word wilt there, it's an old, uh, older word that we don't use, but pretty much what Jesus Christ is asking him when he says, Wilt thou be made whole? He's asking him, Do you want to be made whole? He's asking him, Do you even want to be made whole? Now, you gotta... You know, I used to read this story, you know as I was going through the Bible, and I always thought to myself, what a rude question of Jesus Christ to ask this man. I mean, he's obviously wants to be healed. He's there at the pool of, pool of Bethsaida. He's sick. I mean, he obviously wants to be healed, but Jesus Christ... He looks at him and he asks this question. He says, do you even want to be healed? He questions whether he even wants to be healed. Whether he even wants to be made whole. And if you look at verse 6, the reason he asked look at verse 6 again. It says, when Jesus saw him lie, and look what it says, and knew that he had been now a long time. According to verse 5, we know that he had been there 30 and 8 years. So the reason that Jesus asked the question was because he knew how long this man had been there. And he, he's, he's, Jesus Christ knowing that the man had been there for 38 years. I mean, do you imagine, imagine what 38 years is? That's a lifetime. I mean, I don't think there's anybody in this room that's even 38 years old. I know Michelle is extremely close to it, <laughs> But, um, I mean, that, that would be our entire lifetimes. 38 years, I mean, that's 38 birthdays. That's 38 Christmases. I, you know, I understand that they didn't celebrate Christmas at this time, but... You know, in our in our mentality, that's 38 new years. That's that's th- that's 38 years that have gone by in your life. He's so close to somewhere where he can be healed, but he hasn't been healed for 38 years. And Jesus Christ taking this information into knowledge, he asked this question: Do you even want to be healed? And you know, as I, as we, I, we look at people, you know, obviously. You know, I grew up in church my entire life, and we watch people in church, and we watch people come to church, or, or even just, just not, not necessarily this church, but just, uh, just any church. I mean, just think about it. you. You watch people come to church, and they come to church, and what do they want? They want to get their lives right. You know, they want to get saved, or they want to get off of drugs, or they want to get off of alcohol, or they want to get their marriages fixed, or they want to uh, be able to teach their children right, or they want to, and, and they go, you know, year after year after year, and they, and, they, and they try this thing, and they try that thing, and you know, I, I would imagine that Jesus Christ maybe is up in heaven, looking down at some church members, who have been maybe going to church to and maybe I've uh, been going to church year after year after year, and trying to read their Bibles year after year after year, with no change, with just uh, because they have no discipline or they have no ability, or they, or they just refuse to give up their sin or to give up whatever uh, is going on in their lives. And I would imagine that Jesus would look down from heaven and say, "Do you even want to be healed? I mean, do you even want to be made whole? Wilt thou be made whole?" I was talking to uh, my wife about, you know, we just had an election here yesterday. And uh I'm just amazed by the state of California. I can't I cannot even comprehend how you know, California's in in a deficit. We can't pass a budget. We're just this Last uh, time they t- passed budget, they set a record for how many days they went without being able to, to come in agreements on passing a budget. Our, our budgets are always in a deficit. We have like a 12 or 13% unemployment rate, which is way above every other unemployment rate uh, in any other state in, in the country. Um, you know, we just have so many issues. We have the worst economy. We have the worst housing market. And we have all these things going wrong, and, and yesterday, November 2nd, California, you know, the rest of the, and look, I'm not endorsing the, the Republicans, and I'm not saying that they're great, but the rest of the country just had an attack on their incumbent, they said, you know what, we're sick and tired of the way the country's going on, and, and I mean, historically, people even went and attacked their own uh, party, uh, senator or their own party representative the, the own person that they like And they just remove them out of office And put somebody new Because they say Man we just got to do something new this, just, this isn't working But in California You know what they did? They went back and they elected Barbara Boxer Who's been uh, You know Senator for like 20 years who's done nothing, I mean literally her record shows that she's accomplished nothing her entire time, and we elected uh, Jerry Brown to be governor who was governor 28 years ago and we we went back and as Californians we pretty much said we don't want to change anything, we don't want to change anybody we don't want to put anybody in power, and here's what I think it's so funny because, you know, I I was listening to this on the radio and it makes sense if we had like 2% unemployment rate and we just had this prosperity going on in California that would make perfect sense we don't want to change anything. Let's just leave everybody in office. But things are the worst they've ever been, they tell us, since the Great Depression. And Californians, by the millions, went back and said, you know what? Oh, uh, this isn't working. We need to do something different. But we're just going to put the, the same people, the same crowd, the one that brought us this issue, we're going to put them right back into the office. And I, I just look at California and I think to myself, do you even want to be made? Oh, I mean, do you even want to fix? And this is the problem. People are like this. They have a problem, they say they want to fix it, but they never do. And year after year after year after year, they struggle with the same issues, they struggle with the same problems, they struggle with the same sin, they struggle with the same, I can't read my Bible, they struggle with the same, I can't pray, they struggle with the same, I can't go so many, and things that they should have taken care of years ago. I mean, 38 years ago, you should have been healed when the angel came down. But 38 years later, you're still struggling with the same things. And Jesus Christ just kind of scratches his head. And, and I, and, you know, I kind of just look at California. I think myself, man, do you even want to be healed? Do you even want to make a... Do you want something to be different? Because Jesus Christ is looking at this man, watching him for the last 38 years, wasting his life. And he said, Wilt thou be made whole? But look what this man answers. Look at verse 7, John 5, 7. If the impotent man answered him, Sir... I have no man. When the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. So he said, well, he, he starts giving Jesus an excuse. He said, well, the problem is I have no man. He said, when the trouble, when the water gets stirred, uh, 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 another comes and another person goes down, they step down before me, and I can't get there because I don't have a man to help me. And he makes this statement. These four little words. I have no man. And this is the problem. You know, I honestly believe that there's people in California, in Sacramento, in the Natomas area, who are looking for a church like this. I honestly believe there's people out there who are ready to get saved, they want to get saved, if someone would just come and preach them the gospel, they would get saved. I honestly believe that there's people out there who would love to come to church on a Wednesday night, who would love to get involved, who would love to get their lives changed, who would love to to do something, but here's the problem, they have no man. It, it, It reminds me... Of Act, you don't have to turn it on, I'll just read for you Acts chapter number 8 and verse 30 do you remember when uh, the, Philip and the eunuch when, when Philip was asked of the angel there to go preach to the eunuch I'll, I'll read for you the verses Acts chapter number 8 and verse 30 the Bible says and Philip ran hither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and so said unto him understandest thou what thou readest and he said how can I except some man should guide me and he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And it's pretty much, a, he, he's saying the same thing. The, the, Philip says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, well, the problem is, I don't have a man. I have no man. And this person said, hey, I don't have a man to help me get to where I need to get healed. And I don't have a man to preach the gospel to me. I don't have a man to pick me up and carry me. And look, that's, that's our purpose. That's, that's why we started this church. That's the purpose of your Christian life, is to be that man that would bring somebody to Jesus Christ. Is to be that woman, or that lady, or that person, or that individual that is going to pick somebody up, who maybe needs to just be carried to where they can get some help. To where they can be healed. He said, I have no man. And the sad thing is that millions of people are dying every day. And they're dying because of this reason. I have no man. I don't have somebody who would come and knock on my door. I don't have somebody who would uh, approach me with the gospel. I don't have somebody who would maybe offer to give me a ride to church. I don't have somebody who would come and try to help me get healed. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. But look at what Jesus Christ says. Obviously Jesus heals them. Look at verse number 8. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Now he couldn't get healed because of the reason that he didn't have somebody to pick him up and take him. He couldn't walk, and he had no man to take him down to the water when the angel would stir it. But as soon as Jesus Christ heals him, because obviously Jesus doesn't have Jesus can do whatever he wants, so as soon as Jesus Christ heals him. What is, what is the first thing that Jesus says to you? He expects him to do what? To walk. He says, rise, take up thy bed, and walk. See, Christ doesn't save you, and Christ doesn't help you, and Christ doesn't heal you in order to sit. He doesn't want you to be a burden to others. He doesn't want you to just... Uh, sit there, you know. I mean, could you imagine if if Jesus Christ would have healed this man the man had no ability to stand up of his own two feet if he would have healed him and the man would have just kept sitting down and done nothing. But he says, hey, I'm going to heal you and here's what I want you to do. I want you to rise, I want you to take up my bed, and I want you to walk. And Christ wants you to walk. See, when you can't walk, we'll come up along you you know, side of you and we'll help you walk. When you can't get to where you need to get, we'll come up alongside you and we'll help you get to where you need to get. But once you're there, God says, hey, now I want you to walk. Now I want you to rise. Now I want you to pick something up. Now I want you to go. And you know, I gotta... I kinda have to wonder this question. I wonder if this man stood up, walked off, and never went back to Bethsaida. Or I wonder if he went back and said, you know what? I'm going to be the man that I never had. I mean, wouldn't that be great? If he would have just devoted his life to saying, hey, I'm going to go down to Bethsaida and I'm going to wait till the till the angel uh, stirs the water there and I'm going to pick somebody up and throw them in that pool so they can be healed. And maybe, I mean, that would be exciting if he would have said, hey, I'm just going to make a list and I'm going to say, you first and then you second and don't you worry, I'm going to take care of all of you guys because once I had no man, but now I can be that man. Now I can be that man that's going to take... And make sure they get healed. Or maybe it would have been better if you would have said, Hey, forget the angel. I'm just going to start picking these people up and bringing them to Jesus. See, that's the point of the Christian life. Is that one day you were a sinner. One day you were condemned to hell. One day you were without a savior. But somebody came and brought you to Jesus Christ. And now Jesus wants you to be that person. Jesus wants you to walk. Look at verse 9. John 5 9. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked on the same day, and and took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was a Sabbath. And the Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is a Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. Now, the, the same statement they just meant when they said, It is a Sabbath day, it is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed, that is just a lie. You will not find in the Bible where it says that you weren't allowed to carry your bed on the Sabbath. The Sabbath day was a day when you weren't supposed to work. And, and we don't celebrate the Sabbath, and we, we've talked about that before, so I'm not going to go into detail. But um, the Sabbath day was a day when you weren't supposed to work. You weren't supposed to go and make uh, do servile work or, or do work that, that was you know, like your, your income or the work that you did for the week. I mean, sometimes I read the Bible and I think to myself, man, I don't really understand what these Pharisees thought. They thought that on a, on, a, on the Sabbath day, you're just supposed to lay in bed and not move a muscle or something, you know? I mean, obviously you could stand up. Obviously you could go, uh, you know, walk around. And obviously, you know, the Bible doesn't prohibit that. But these people are just taking the Bible and taking it to uh, an extreme that is not biblical. And they're using the Bible in a way to attack people that is not, it's just not, not true, it's not in the Bible. So look at verse 11. He answered them. He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, What man is it which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wis not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away uh, a multitude being in that place. And afterward Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. Now let me, let's just talk about this real quick. This verse kind of leads us to believe that the infirmity that this man had for 38 years was brought because of his own sin. And isn't that a great thought to know that Jesus Christ would look at a man who for 38 years had been... uh, paralegic, or for 38 years, uh, was not able to walk and not able to help himself because of his own sin, and Jesus Christ would be willing to forgive him, and to show mercy on him, and to heal him. But one one thing I, I want you to know is that, you know, just because somebody's sick, or just because somebody's going through bad times, doesn't necessarily mean that it's because of their sin. Now, many times, it is because of their sin. And many times it is, and I'll just read a few verses for you, you don't have to turn there, but Galatians chapter number 6 and verse 7, the Bible says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And you you kids need to learn this. Moses? Moses is asleep. Good night. Rebecca, you need to learn this. (laughs) That what you sow, you will reap. And sometimes you sow sin and you reap sin. But... But I just want you to know that not, you, know, you shouldn't look down at people when they're sick or when they're going through bad times and think that they're, um, that they're necessarily going through that because they're a sinner. You're in John chapter number 5. Just look at uh, verse 9. I'll show you an example real quick. John chapter number 9. And look at verse 1. You're, you're in John 5. So just go four chapters forward to chapter number 9 and look at verse 1. The Bible says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, these guys, they're probably thinking, you know, this, because just uh, four chapters earlier, uh, Jesus Christ told this man, you know, sin no more, that's the worst thing come on thee. So they were thinking, oh, when something bad happens to you, it's because of your sin. So when they saw this blind man, they, they asked, you know, who did sin? This man or his parents? That he was born blind? And look at what Jesus said in verse number three. Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the words of God should be made manifest in him. So you know, not you know, if somebody's going through hard times, it's not necessarily because they're sinned. Now, it may be because they're sowing what they reap, but it also just may be that God wants to do something great in their lives, and God wants to show Himself powerful in their lives. And Jesus Christ said, Hey, the reason this man was born blind was for this moment in time, when I was going to walk by him, and I was going to look at him, and I was going to heal him, and you will be able to see that I was the Son of God. That was the entire purpose. Let me read to you another, some other examples. You don't have to turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, and verse 7, the Bible says... Uh, Second Corinthians 12.7, this is Paul speaking, he says, "...and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure." For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that, I might de- that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, and in reproaches, in necessities, and persecutions, and distresses, for Christ's sake, for... When I am weak, then am I strong. So there we see an example where Jesus, where Paul says, Hey, I had a thorn in the flesh, I had an infirmity, I had something wrong with me. I besought Jesus Christ three times and He would take it away from me. And He said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And He said, Hey, you know what? I was given this thorn in the flesh to keep me humble. I was given this thorn in the flesh because Jesus Christ knew, Hey, I'm going to use you mightily, Paul. And if I use you mightily, you might get a big head. So I'm going to give you this thorn in the flesh to keep you humble using you. And Paul was saying hey, this thorn in the flesh is directly uh, has to do with the fact that God is going to use me in a, in a great way. And then he said, "He said, you know what, then I would most gladly therefore uh, most gladly therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities. He said, hey I'm going to glory in my infirmity. I'm going to glory in what God has given me because it's going to help me be used more of God. So look, not that somebody's going through something bad. Somebody might be going through something bad because God's going to use them in a mighty way. Somebody might be getting sick because God's going to use them in a mighty way. And God is using them in a mighty way. And of course, there's always the example of Job. You know, most of the book of Job is about his friends incorrectly judging him, and they blame him and his sin for all the troubles of his life. But in the end, we know that they were wrong, and that God was working through the all of it, and that Job was actually the most you know, perfect and righteous man on earth at that time. So you shouldn't ever look down at somebody and say, oh, they're going through hard times, they must be in sin. Now look, they might be in sin. But they also might just be used, being used of God, or they also just might be having it because God wants to show His power through them. But so look at verse 15, and we'll, we'll finish up. We'll just look at two more things, and we'll be done. John chapter number 5, and look at verse sixteen. The Bible says, The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And look at verse 16. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay Him, because He had done these things on the Sabbath day. Now look, here's, here's, here's what I gather from this verse. I mean, could you believe this? This man had been... Sick for 38 years, Jesus Christ heals him. And instead of these people being excited and rejoicing and saying, "Man, this is great! This is wonderful! This is the power of God!" They instead they they look at this miracle and they say, "The Bible said they sought to slay him." And you know there are some people who are just not interested in the truth. There are some people who are just not interested in the truth. And you know I. I uh... This becomes more real to me the more and more I uh, I pastor, I guess, or I deal with people. I go out so many as a pastor. And, uh, you know, I, I, made this, I made this statement to, to two close friends I have uh, separately. And, and I thought I was being too negative when I said it. But they, they both agreed with me and they've both been pastors longer than I have, so I think they understand this. But I said, I said to them, you know, I'm starting to realize, I used to think that you, if you studied really hard and you really just tried to find something in the scriptures and you uh, prepared well and you were dynamic when you preached and you screamed and you yelled and you had the power of God and you just did something, you know, that, that people were going to get just their lives right. And I realized that, you know, some people are going to acknowledge the truth and follow it and try to live by it. But some people, it doesn't matter how great of a sermon you try to preach or how great of a truth you try to deliver. They're just going to do what they want to do. And I, I, I said that to, to one of the pastors and he, and he said, you know, I'll take it a step further. People aren't only going to do what they want to do, they're going to believe what they want to believe. And you know that's the truth. You go uh, out to someone and you talk to somebody and uh, you, you show them something from the Bible and, and they maybe have a belief and you just take them to a verse that completely annihilates that belief and you're like, look, that is so not biblically sound. I mean, just look at what the Bible says and they just look at it and here's what they, they think. They say, well, that's just what I believe. And that's, that's how these Pharisees were. I mean, it doesn't matter. Jesus Christ could take a man that they've watched for 38 years who couldn't walk Because some people are just not interested in the truth. And some people, it doesn't matter. I mean, Jesus Christ himself can come down and heal a man. They're just going to say, I'm going to believe what I want to believe. I'm going to do what I want to do. And and some people are just like that. You need to learn that. Some people are just evil. Some people are just, there are people in this world who are just evil. And they're not interested in the truth. They're just going to want to hurt you. Or they're going to want to be against you. Or they're just going to want to do what they want. But uh, look at verse 17, John chapter number 5, and look at verse 17. But Jesus answered them. And I think this is interesting. This is an interesting point, and we'll be done. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father. So what did Jesus Christ say? That God was his father, or that he was the Son of God. And look at what the rest of the verse says, comma. But said also that God was His Father, comma, making Himself equal with God. Do you know this, that Jesus is God? I mean, period. I was also winning this week and trying to give the gospel to a lady who had been influenced by Jehovah's Witnesses. And she said, no, 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 my Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, the two ladies that come and give me a Bible study, they, they, said, they, they said that Jesus isn't God, that Jesus is the Son of God. They said that Jesus isn't God. That Jesus was created by God, and that He's the Son of God. And if He's the Son, then then how can He be God? Well, look. John five eighteen says that He said that He that God was His Father, making Himself equal with God. So when the Jews, when when Jesus Christ said, "Hey, I'm the Son of God," they understood that they were saying, "Hey, He's making Himself equal with God." Do you remember in Philippians where He said that He thought it not robbery to make Himself equal with God? Jesus is God. But you'll take a Jehovah's Witness to John chapter number five and verse eighteen, and they'll try to explain that away and say, "Well, I thought it what that means." A Jehovah's Witness will tell you that uh, hell is not real and that it's just a you know when you go to hell you just disappear and that you're, there's no fire and there's no torment and it's not forever. And you'll take him to a verse that says, "Hey, talking about the lake of fire and and, and brimstone and, and torment and fire forever and ever," and they'll say, "Well, well, forever and ever doesn't mean forever and ever, and fire doesn't necessarily mean fire." And equal with God here doesn't necessarily mean equal with God. And it's just the Pharisees of this world who doesn't matter what you tell them, what you show them, they're just going to believe what they want to believe, they're just going to do what they want to do. But but that's a great verse, you should keep that in mind if you're ever talking to Jehovah's Witnesses and they try to tell you, well, you know, Jesus isn't God, He's just the Son of God. Well, according to John chapter number 5 and verse 18, therefore the Jews sought the more to kill Him, because He not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was His Father, making Himself equal with God. Jesus is God. And somebody should tell the Jehovah's Witnesses that, and somebody should tell the Mormons that. And anyone else who doesn't want to believe the Bible, because according to the Bible, He was the Son of God, He was equal with God, He was God. I mean, Jesus Christ said that He was the Father, and Jesus Christ said that He was the Son. Jesus Christ said that He was the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He said that He was the root and the offspring of David. He said, hey, I'm not only the the, the beginning of David, I am the uh, product of David. He said, I'm not only the Father, I am the son of David. And he said, I'm not only uh, God the Father, I'm also the son of God. And he said, I'm equal with God. I am God. And Jesus Christ says, God, and you should always remember that because there's uh, many religions who want to attack that doctrine. But Jesus, they they sought to kill him because he was making himself equal with God. So let's uh, bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much. Lord, I ask that you just please help